Awakening the faithful, reaching the lost, and making church matter. Welcome to the Rebuilt Podcast. If you love your parish, listen to this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rebuilt Podcast, where we are striving to make church matter in our communities again. I'm Kelly Lippenholtz, your host, and I'm joined by Tom Corcoran today. Hi, Tom. Hey, Kelly. So when when you work in ministry, you you know if you work in ministry that you're very busy, and Tom and I, we don't really get to, to talk much at work, so these <laughs> podcasts, I look at these as t- times I get to catch up with Tom. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> So how was how was Christmas and New Year's, Tom? <laughs> glad they're over. I'm glad to be back in the new year. So, no, I like to see it come. I like to see it go. Isn't that kind of the thing? So yeah. So today we're talking about the having an awareness of defining moments in the life of a parish. Speaking of Christmas and New Year's, those are usually defining moments of our year. And and we're also going to talk a little bit about creating memorable moments. Um, moments that can change people or move people in a certain direction. So, Tom, big question for you. What is the most defining moment <laughs> of your life? Oh, you didn't warn me that was coming. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it has to be marriage. Or yeah, well, I guess I'll give the, the easiest one. You know, children and recently we were, you know, we were we were doing a day. I would say you guys were asking about how we met or, or driving. Or you weren't in the car for that one. But anyway, how you met your spouse or when you met right. your spouse. And actually, it's funny. Meeting my spouse was not a defining moment. We both didn't really pay any attention. But I would say, <laughs> but then we started dating. And then um, the the moment I remember going for a run and knowing, all right, this is the woman I'm going to marry. And, and that's the moment. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. I, yeah. I'm going to give that right now. So I think that win me points at home. And, yeah. And uh, not sure my wife listens <laughs> to the podcast. Listening. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll tell um, her tell next her, time yeah. I see her. So that seems like an easy one to go with. Yeah, that's that a big, one. that's a big defining moment. Yeah. Most are, most defining moments can be positive, but a lot can be negative too. I can think of like some moments oh. where like I was dumped by a boyfriend in like okay. eighth grade, that was a, that was a, probably one of the first defining moments. Because it's kind of an interesting thing how some people go to the positive versus I know, the negative. It we is were talking about this in a in a in a in a meeting about right. the series, and uh, the other Kelly went to the negative. And yeah. I guess because the book we're talking about says at the very beginning, we're going to look at how to yeah, we're going to look at the moments. positive moments. So I guess my mind already was going there, or maybe I'm just a positive person, but I'm not sure that's well. Yeah, true. well, like you said, we you know we read this book the uh, the. Um, so what was your defining moment, by the way? You didn't. Oh, um, well, I have a lot of defining moments in my life. I'll tell you the the one where I became a Christian, where I'd say I became a Christian. I was raised Catholic, um, cradle Catholic, so I always believed in God. I always loved Jesus. I would have always said that I am Catholic. I'm a Catholic Christian. But when I was 30 years old, I took my first Bible study. Um, with some friends and the speaker um, was the class I took was called encounters with Jesus. And the speaker every week was this young woman. Um, her name was Renee. She was amazing. She was just a really good speaker, a lot of humor in her speech. She just spoke my language. I, I loved listening to her. She was so relevant to my life at the time. And um, we were talking about an encounter with Jesus. I don't even really remember which one it was. It might've been the woman at the well or Zacchaeus. Um, and she said, she, she asked us at the end of her talk, what does this look like in your life? Jesus's kindness towards these outsiders. What is it? What does this look like in your life? And that was the moment I became a huh. Christian. I, I thought that's to what myself, it became personal. And that's what, Ooh, yeah. yeah. I thought, is this doesn't look like anything in my life. That was my answer. It looks like nothing in my life. I don't take anything 
that I hear at church and go apply it to my life. I don't take the gospel and go live it. But so you decided in that moment that was going to change. I decided okay. in that moment that I couldn't so you, unhear that. Like so you, I had to. You just one up me then. So I say oh, my wife and sorry. you say God. No, no. Well, I'm the just wife's best pretty good one no, too. That's good, but I'm, that's <laughs> yours is better. And I think that it leads into what we're talking about today. That matters is because God does use moments to, and we'll get to that in a second, but God uses moments to bring us into relationship with him or to change our lives and to set direction for our lives. So. Okay. So let's back up a minute and just define what we mean by moments here. Uh, you know, I, I like the book we're talking about that's kind of inspired this, although it's kind of really cool. I ha- We had this idea like a couple of years on our message meetings where we decided yeah, we series did. of the year mm-hmm. and the power of moments. And I just kind of had the idea, but it never showed up. And I was so excited when I heard Chip, Chip and Dan Heath, who we've read some of their other books, were writing a book on this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And then when I heard that book <laughs> was coming out. You had the idea before them. I did, but I didn't <laughs> develop it. I think they probably maybe simultaneously, but they did something about it and I didn't, I did have this idea and they go, they do all this research and all this stuff that I, that we don't have time to do research. So anyway, they kind of define moments as short experiences brimming with meaning. I like that definition. Um, yeah, it's good. And so kind of like a proverb, proverbs, a terse saying that's brimming with meaning and Mm -hmm. has a lot of wisdom in it and just packed into a single sentence. Yeah. Packed into like five words. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing was a, a moment is, brimming with meaning in just a, a short period of time. Uh, and they say it, it defines or redefines something in our life. So for you, that moment, it redefined your relationship with God or defined a relationship with God. Maybe you would say that. You know? Right. Uh, for me, it defined my relationship of where I thought this relationship with my wife was going. Right. And, where that so was it, it, and it changes your behavior a little bit after that then. She wasn't just your girlfriend anymore. She was yeah. the person you were going to marry. Yeah, that, in my mind, yeah. Not yeah. hers yet, but in my <laughs> mind, that well, was... Well, then you had to convince that's her. That's where it was going. But uh, yeah, that begins to change, change everything. All right. So, so it defines or, or redefines something in your life, and maybe you're a little bit different afterwards. But I mean, that could happen every day. Why, why do these moments matter? Well, I think from a Christian perspective or in a church perspective, we're just saying, God, again, God uses moments to draw us into a relationship with him. And some of the reason we picked this part of the year to do this series is like, it just seemed to us that there's all these stories of moments that God is using in people's lives to define or redefine the relationship or define or redefine where they're going with the rest of their lives. So, All right. So give us some examples of that. So, you know, Epiphany is the wise men. You know, they see they've these guys have been studying the stars their whole lives, and suddenly one day they see a star that's different, mm-hmm. and they've been maybe even looking out for, it. and it changes their whole life. They go and they see the, the newborn king. You know, who, where's the newborn king of the Jews, and puts them on this journey to go and find Christ, and so and that changes their whole their whole life. Um, you think about the baptism of Jesus. You know that it, this God creates this moment for His Son to recognize Him, and He says. You know, everybody's being baptized. John the Baptist is baptizing everyone. But when Jesus is baptized, you know, the heavens open up, uh, the spirit comes like a dove, and the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And so God gave Jesus that moment because we know what happens after this. He's he's going uh, to, to into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and he's going to be tempted and have to fast. But before he has that challenge... The father, that moment. the father affirms him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the call of John, the call of Samuel. Um, you know, on the call of John, Cur- Curtis Martin has a great talk about that. About how why does John put in the gospel that it was four o'clock in the afternoon? And it seems like a random fact, but it's like because that was the moment his life changed. 
at four o'clock mm. in the afternoon, you know, hmm. um, right. when he met Jesus. The story of Jonah, God gives Jonah a couple different moments to really decide, <laughs> is he going to get on board with what God is doing? Is he going to do something that is stretching him and forcing him to grow or not? And then um, Jesus uses the moment with the, in the Pharisees about the Sabbath and, and healing and the healing on a Sabbath. And he, he's taking this, here's an opportunity, here's a moment. Is, it, is the Sabbath for God or, the, or is the Sabbath for man? given by God, or is, a, or is a Sabbath just a law you got to fulfill? He's given them a, a decisive moment to decide, are you for people, or are you for you just fulfilling laws? Mm. And so God seizes on moments. I, I think, um, yeah, I, I feel like, man, there's a lot here with this, although I don't know we got it completely yet or understand yeah. it, but we'll do our best through this podcast. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't think we quite know, like, exactly what we want people to know and do with this, but it's it's good stuff. I mean when I think about orchestrating moments for my kids, this is where I get really excited about this. But again, I'm not quite sure what I want those moments to be. I think it was your insight about values. Like how do we orchestrate moments for our kids to show what we really value and is important? Right. Because I was sort of confused. Like I want to, I want to orchestrate great moments for my kids because I want us to have great moments. But why? Like, what is that? mean to them because they're brimming with meaning that's the thing because they're brimming and they'll go back to that moment right and the same way we can help orchestrate moments that connect people to god that and obviously we don't control all of that sure but but we can set up moments the environment right the the moment for that and that's the cooperation i think between god and man right god is god's going to do what god's going to do we but we can create the environment or create the moment or work to create the moment where people connect with god all right, so what, what could one of these moments look like? Well, just a couple other thoughts on moments. I think this mm-hmm. is an incredibly insight from Chip and Dan Heath's book, is that they say when we assess our experiences, we don't average the minute-by-minute sensations of the experience. But three, this is what the moment looks like. The moment like. is three different. the ending, uh-huh. the peaks and the pits, and sometimes the beginning. That's what they say. Well, the greatest example of this, I thought, was the Disney World exactly. experience. Yeah, why don't you talk about that? So yeah. great. So Uh, In their book, they give the example of being in Disney World and asking visitors in Disney World, a parent, really, I think it was a dad, actually. Assess your experience. Yeah, to rate your experience throughout the day. And if you rated your experience throughout the day in Disney World, maybe... This is why I will never go to Disney World. Well, I know. When you're waiting in line for 45 minutes, you're not rating that very high. It's miserable. It's 100 degrees. You're sweating. Your kids are complaining. You're hungry. You're thirsty. Not a high rating, not a good right. experience, not a great moment. But then if you ask two weeks later, if you ask that same dad to rate the moment, he remembers the moment when he was walking out of the Magic Kingdom and bought his kids Mickey ears and they were wearing them and it was so cute and they were eating ice cream and it was dripping down yeah. their face. And that's like a nine on a scale from one to right. ten. I got to, you know, I wanted to see my kid do that. Yeah. Right. And I got the, the smile on his face as he gets the Disney, the Mickey ears. Right. Right. Um, so that's the ending that was a great ending moment, but even, and then there's tons of peaks when you're in Disney world, but the pits, I love where he said, so there's, there's high and low moments over this experience of Disney world, but the pits talks about how, how Disney fills the pits. Right. So when you're waiting in line, there's water spraying on you. There's a video playing, there's things for your kids to do. Like they try to fill the pits. Right. The, you know, it's interesting ending. I was just in, in, a, in a meeting had. Uh, last night, um, someone shared some bad news at the end mm-hmm. on our staff. And so I went to her at the end of the meeting. I just said, don't do that. If you're going to share bad – I'm not saying don't share the bad news. Right. Share the bad news a couple steps back. Right. 
because you're leaving the people feeling bad about the par- – and these are parish leaders. Now, now they're with us and they trust us, but I never want anybody leaving here feeling bad. Right. There's always bad news. We, 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 sure. we deal with that. But don't share that last. Like at the end of a meeting, share something good. Share something positive. So right. it's, a good, it's a good just for meetings. When we end yeah. meetings, even end it meeting. positively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even, even if there's hard stuff to share, there's always going to be difficult things to share, right. but we can – Do it strategically. Yeah. Um, it matters in church because – we can leverage again these moments to create again. I think a weekend experience. We, that's a huge thing. What we say, you know, if, if you want to create our three key strategies, we would say that every church needs to employ to grow a healthy church is you know reach the lost and know who they are in your community, create a great weekend experience, and give people a clear discipleship path. Creating a great weekend experience, you cannot create a great weekend experience without leveraging the power of moments. Um, okay, so, so we're we're going to talk a little bit more about the leveraging those moments throughout the weekend experience. We will be right back after this break. Stay tuned. The Rebuilt Field Guide will lead you and your leadership team through assessment and goal-setting exercises that will help you revitalize your church. The workbook offers practical steps that will bring your team together so that you can affect change in your parish. If you know your parish needs to change or want to introduce the principles of Rebuilt, but you don't know where to start, the Rebuilt Field Guide is the perfect resource. You can order the Field Guide from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at Ave Maria Press. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Rebuilt Podcast. Today we are talking all about defining moments in the life of a parish. Tom, what are four ways that we can leverage these defining moments? Yeah, I think there might be others, but these are the four kind of came up with. Uh, number one, again, what we talked about before the break, our, our, our weekend worship and programs. Uh, second, in creating change in our church culture, we want to leverage moments there. Uh, then to help people grow spiritually. We want, we want to leverage moments there and then leverage moments in help investing in staff and volunteers. Okay, great. So, so there's four ways to leverage moments. Let's, um, let's go through those four. All right, so weekend worship and program. So, again, going back to your Disney example, which yeah. is great. Again, we, we think people come and remember every single aspect of the mass or when they come on a right. program. no, they don't. They don't. They remember, again, the ending, the pits and the peaks, mm. and the beginning. So we want to just make mm. sure we – Pay attention to some of those things. So, okay. um, again, very interesting. I, and I, again, I like this, and this will sound a little consumerish, but I think we can translate it. They, they say in the book, to please customers, you don't need to obsess over every detail. Simply create some moments that are magical. Right. We can't obsess over every detail yeah. anyway. So, and I think we tend to try to make things more perfect, and that's not that's not the point. Right. We love both. Both of us love the example of that story about the popsicle stand. Love the popsicle. So, why, why don't you explain that to, to so, people? There's a there's a hotel what's it called the Magic Castle I think something is, like that yeah it's like the top rated hotel in, it's near in, Disney near Disneyland near yeah. Disneyland in in California and um, it's not real fancy or special in any way except yeah. this one way I love the way they describe it like you know you, you could describe it as Olympic sized pool if the Olympics were in your backyard <laughs> like, like. <laughs> that's the pool at the hotel right so, so nothing really all these things that doesn't have right. But it has. But it has the Popsicle hotline. So there's a, a t- telephone out by the pool, the, the tiny pool, where you can lift up the phone and order a Popsicle, the flavor of your choice, over the phone. And they bring it to you on like a silver tray with white gloves out to the pool. So, I, I mean, 
that's that's so great. It's such a moment. It's such a special. So when moment. you go back on your vacation from your vacation, and your kids are talking about that. Yeah. They love it. Yeah. You go back and tell somebody else, and they want to go. And, and they want to go too because it's just a fun, magical moment. Right. And I, I think to again for us, we need to put disproportionate amount of time on some moments, and that's right. okay. Right. Um. And you know, I, I love this quote from the book. Beware of the soul-sucking force <laughs> of reasonableness. Yeah. Otherwise, you risk deflating your peaks or the building these moments. Right. So Somebody at that hotel said, just put a cooler, a, <laughs> a freezer out at the pool and they can right. get their own popsicle. Right. We don't need to be getting 30 phone calls in the afternoon for a popsicle. Yeah. Somebody said that at that hotel. Pro- for sure. I would think so. Or if, if not, someone heard that. I'm like, that's the dumbest idea yeah. I ever heard. <laughs> yeah, you know? It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, we'll use a couple examples of this. I think Christmas Eve at the fairgrounds which we started, that was, you know, Michael said, Father Michael said, let's go to have Christmas Eve at the fairgrounds. I'm like, that's the stupidest, dumbest <laughs> idea. It's not reasonable. Right. But it's changed, you know, and we'll go, this has changed our church. It totally changed and, our church. And one of the moments of that is the silent night where everybody's got a candle. Well, yeah. that's not reasonable. What if there's a fire? And what if this? Right. What if- sure. You can't, you can't hand out candles to little kids. Yeah. And by the way, we're not buying 10,000 candles. Right. Yeah. And so, but that's a moment at that. It's. At, People love that moment. Yeah, and people walk away remembering that. Yeah. And if that's all they remember, you know, hopefully they remember the message and that kind of thing. But again, if if I don't go to church and I remember, you know what? Yeah. It's a reminder to me. It felt good. It felt, I liked it. Yeah. Maybe I'll try that church next it was, Sunday. Yeah. It was worth it to be there just for that moment. People right. will want to come just for some moments. Um, again, another thing they say is, you know, great service experiences are mostly forgettable and occasionally <laughs> remarkable. Right. So again, I think just for us, when it comes to, you know, we want to be greeting and hospitality, but I was wondering too, as a church, what could we do more to create like something just unforgettable in our hospitality that would make people say, I want to go back to that church. Hmm. Um, and I, I think we got to go come back. up with something. No, I haven't. Okay. I want to bring this to Stephanie and our, you know, it sounds so, fun. Yeah. But, um, you know, go for the moments to make a customer's jaw drop. And I know we're using the word customer and I, I don't, you know, right, we, yeah. we, we are saying no consumer culture, but the reality is our guests, our visitors, people that are coming, we want them to say, wow, that was amazing. I want to go back. Right. That's what we're all we're trying to do when it comes to our, right. our weekend worship to reach outsiders. So that's right. Um, again, I think for us in the beginning, just have be a Catholic church that was welcoming and, and maybe in some places this is still the case. Like, wow, you have parking ministers. You actually have people at the door smiling at you. That's like right. was jaw dropping to some people. I think we need the 2.0 is my point. Right. Yeah. I think that's what's become, next. That's what's next. Mm-hmm. But Again, where where can you create just memorable experience when people come to, to Mass? So that's the first one. Okay. So the second thing that you said was that we can leverage moments to create change in our church culture. I don't even really think I know what church culture means. What What is church culture and what's ours? I don't even know. Well, if, if in Rebuilt, what we're talking about and really all our efforts really to help you is to change from a consumer culture to a contrib- contributing culture, uh, to a discipleship culture. That was what was frustrating us. We found a consumer culture where people, Across what do I get out of this? Everybody right. was a consumer. Yeah, and there's always going to be consumers. That's why I say the customer. Right, right. That. That's right, because they're kind of the customer, quote right. unquote, the customer. But if you're trying to change something in your culture, your church culture that you do not like, mm-hmm. at some point you got to leverage moments. you got to create a moment. So for us, um, again, in the book they use this word. It's just not, it's not just a surprise but a strategic surprise. And they talk about breaking the script. The script. I love that phrase too. Yeah. Break the script. And that's something you can do in worship services, but also again, we've always done it this way. So going back to the Christmas Eve, because it is a great 
We've always had Christmas Eve at our, our church. Of course, that's where you have Christmas Eve. Of course. Not and this that's year. where people want to come. Right. To their church. Until one year, we said, not this year. Yeah. We're, we're breaking the script. We didn't say it in that way, but that's what right. we were doing. That's we're going what, yeah. off because we're, ch- we're changing people. We're changing the way we do things because we're going to exist for the outsiders, not just the insiders. Right. And the outsiders couldn't fit here, right? Like right. that was part of the reason. We needed a bigger space so we could welcome people that, that would have a seat. Not the people that show up an hour early to save their seat, but the people that roll in right on time or even a little bit late. We want a seat for them. Right. And that's the strategic part. This wasn't yeah. like just random anything. It's, hey, right. strate- we want to reach outsiders. We can't do it here. For us, it was kind of a mess here anyway because everybody wants to come at the same time on right. Christmas Eve. Yeah. And so strategically, it made sense. So it wasn't just a breaking the script for the – you know, we didn't, go, we didn't go to the fairgrounds on the – third Sunday of Advent, you know, it was Christmas Eve, right? right? So it was strategic. Um, but, but people like familiarity. They like to be comfortable. And so that's a risk that you take. Yeah. And that's the reason we have to do, you know, I, I love this, you know, again, from the book about how, um, what does it say that uh, familiarity and memorability are often at odds. Mm. You know, people like church because it's familiar and comfortable, but it isn't always memorable. That's right. We got to make it uncomfortable sometimes. Right. Because um, otherwise people aren't going to grow. And again, if we're trying to change our church culture, um, it's, it's difficult. It's slow at some point strategically. We, we talk about in, the, um, the message I gave, I have seven steps towards changing your parish. And one of them is at some point you got to do something for the whole parish that challenges them to get on board. You create a moment where the parish says, we're going this direction. You don't have to go that way, but this, if you're on board, this is where right. you're going for us. Christmas Eve is one of the hugest examples of that. Right. And um, we should acknowledge that you lose a couple people along the way. Sometimes oh, yeah. too, right? And yeah, that's okay, sure. but you have to be willing to to take that risk. We uh, don't want to lose anybody, but sometimes you do. Well, you're going to, yeah. yeah you just that's that's par for the course. Sure. Uh, you know, introducing a message series that could be another one where you break the script. Where if you've never done that before, it's new. You know, introducing anything new is going to be in in a, in a massive level to the church is a way which you change the culture. Um, I, I just like this one other example in the book of this isn't something we did, but. A way to transition to something new is maybe provide ceremonies for the things you're killing or dying. Right. So they use the example in the book of Steve Jobs having a mock funeral for the Mac operating system nine. <laughs> which I don't know about any more than that, but right. they, they had funny eulogy. They must gave. have been sensitive. Somebody must right. have been sensitive. Somebody about was it. sensitive to that. So okay. So I was thinking, have a mock funeral for right. the people really invested. Um, yeah. Uh, in something, and you know. Do something to ceremony to create a ceremony in which this is done. Right. This is over. So, which makes it. I mean, it's kind of a, a delight to do something like that too. To to have that little delightful moment that's maybe a little bit comical, but also there's other elements of the special moment there, the defining moment. Right. So that that's how you change. That's that's a couple of ideas of leveraging moments for a church, for, changing the church for the culture. culture. All right, so another way to leverage moments is to help people grow spiritually. That's one of the reasons you want to have these moments because it moves people, right? So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, somewhat we could talk about the last series, the commitment series, the power of commitment. Yeah. Which somebody at some point I make a commitment. Um, so filling out a stewardship card is you know is a, a way to make a commitment. Maybe if I've never done that, that's going to be a defining moment or. Um, you know, I think giving people a moment to say, hey, I'm committing to Christ at this point. You know, our evangelical mm-hmm. brothers and sisters are really right. good at creating They're that. They're really good at that. We need to do that as well. You, you talked about your own life. That was a, a moment yeah. that created where mm-hmm. this is where I'm, I'm growing my relationship with, with Christ. And they talk about the milestones 
And I think this is something, again, I'm struggling with after reading the book of how do we do this? Like, now we do it one way well with like, okay, steps. Here, how are you growing your faith? Right. But within you know, each step, there right. needs to be some milestones. Right. So if you're, you're growing your faith, if you're serving, you're growing your faith, if you're tithing and giving, you're growing your faith, if you gauge in a small group, right. you're growing in your if you, faith. If you pray, pray, you're growing in your faith. If you share your faith. These are some things you can be doing that are clear, but then even better, like, well, how do I know I'm making progress in each of these things and right. I'm growing? Um, and that's the hard thing, you know, they talked about, um, you know, one example they had in the book was the guy who wanted to play, and maybe this appealed to me, playing in, he wanted to play violin in an, a bar in Ireland. Yeah. Because I think I want to do fun. that. Now. I would I like to that. do that too. So, but he, he didn't, <laughs> he could never play the violin and he created all these levels for himself. To get know, to that. To get to that point. And mm. it's like the, uh, I'm sorry, we, no, I was just gonna say we need carry to carry on. Faith. We need to do that. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of the, um, I think they use this example in the book too, but I actually did it once was the couch to 5k. If anyone ever wanted to be a runner and thought they couldn't be a runner, um, the couch to 5k is how to go from being a couch potato to running a 5k or a 3.1 uh-huh. mile race. And, but they give you these tiny, tiny little milestones along the way, run for one minute and then walk for 10 minutes and then run for one more minute and walk for 10 minutes, all these. And they tell you exactly, exactly what to do. And it's, hugely successful yeah and i i think this is one more complicated ones for this one because how do we do that right um and i'm again i'm even struggling like there's something here i don't know how to do that yeah and you had to provide for the people that are further along the way in their faith and the people that are just beginning and Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's complicated but we need to start looking at that yeah and they say multiply milestones we transform a long amorphous race into one with many intermediate finishes Mm -hmm. um and so Ugh, there's so much there. We, we could probably do a whole podcast on that. How yeah. to do that. So, um, and then the last one is just invest in staff and volunteers that, um, people will remember moments. Uh, one of the things they say is recognize others, um, that we need to create moments in which we recognize mm-hmm. the contribution people are making either staffs, mm-hmm. staff members or volunteer ministers. Right. Um, and so th- this would go along the lines of like the old, like employee of the month or something like that, but we want a better moment than that. Yeah. Well, they even talk about some of those things become, that actually the real power is not in those it, yeah. institutional ones, but mm-hmm. in the personal, right? That it's the personal things that, that, that really people remember. Uh, again, they, one they say is across studies, which span 46 years when it came to employee motivation. And again, I think this would apply to volunteers as well is full appreciation for the work done. Wow. Somebody appreciates and somebody notices what I'm doing. Right. And so, and that's what I think where the power of the moment is, is you, you know, you've heard it said like catch people doing good. Yeah. Like, it's not okay to just say, you know, we were talking about this, I need affirmation, but if you say good job to me, I'm like, that doesn't it mean doesn't anything. doesn't mean anything, yeah. But I love the insight you made on that. Oh, that means something. You something noticed specific. me. Something specific. Yes, something specific. Um, the one example of the guy who would give gifts to salesmen based on what they did, like, um, oh. you know, give the Keurig to somebody because you tailor-made that's, that, you, you, you uniquely understand people. Or, um, you know, the, um, I think Brian used this example, a guy who would, light um a card and, and light it a little bit on fire a little bit and it's like you're on fire and, and have like just creative little creative ways right. but we're personal more personal and hmm. um you, you would burn it and then you know you put the fire out put it out and then give it to him so anyway half <laughs> so, burned. that's kind of yeah. weird but i like it but, but the idea that you create someone will remember that right yeah absolutely and just how are we recognizing people and and creating a moment in which they feel recognized again we go back to the to the, what we said at the beginning about Jesus, that I really believe God orchestrated that moment, the Father orchestrated that moment for the Son to say, you're my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased, right? 
why you know that was that was orchestrated god you know and that was to prepare him to go into ministry um and so recognizing people how do we create moments in which they'll remember yeah that recognition brimming with meaning all right we are going to take a quick break we'll be right back to wrap up our conversation about defining moments Join us April 16th and 17th, 2018 for an exciting conference for pastors, parish leaders, staff, and volunteer ministers, and anyone who is interested in making church matter for their community. The Rebuilt Conference is for people in the trenches who are building or rebuilding healthy and growing communities in faith. This year's conference will take place in our brand new church, so it will be a one of a kind celebration. Along with presentations from Father Michael White and Tom Corcoran, you'll hear from Jeff Cavins and Pastor Craig Rochelle. Jeff is the creator of the Bible Timeline and a wildly popular Catholic author and speaker. Craig Rochelle is the founding pastor of Life Church, the largest church in the U.S. with 27 locations in eight states. Come to the Rebuilt Conference to be inspired, encouraged, and equipped for the work in the trenches. You can register at RebuiltConference.com. That's RebuiltConference.com. Registration opens October 1st. Welcome back, everyone. We are wrapping up our conversation about defining moments, short experiences brimming with meaning. And we want to leave you with one practical thing that you can start to think about today. Tom, what is that going to be? Well, I, I think probably of all these things, I think, well, now I'll go back to two, so I can't help oh, okay. It. I it's okay. It. You can but give But I two. think, well, creating the, church, the change in church culture, because some of you are, that's where you are. And it might actually connect back to the same one is, how are you, how's your weekend experience? Okay. If there's, is there moments in your weekend experience that are, you're creating? How do, how do you do that? And then, again, if you're trying to change your church culture, really be on the lookout. This is a huge, huge, huge opportunity. Again, I look back to Christmas Eve for us, and we seized that moment. And I, I give all the credit to Father Michael seizing that moment, and it really put our church on a different trajectory. So maybe it's, I'd go back to changing the church culture. I'll change my mind. Now. Okay. So there you go. Change a, the church culture. Change the church culture and look at how you can leverage that. If you've already changed the church culture, then look at the weekend and how— uh, but sometimes those two, those two go hand in hand. They can go hand in you're going to change the church culture by breaking the script. Break the script on the, on the weekend. Yeah, that's what I would say. Well, great. Well, and read this book. It's a great book, Chip and Dan Heath. Uh, the, the power of moments. The power of moments. Great yeah. book. Yeah, delightful. Okay, um, let's close in prayer. Thanks for joining us today, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, God, we just thank you for the moments in our life where you, and we know you're present at every moment, but God, we thank you that you've used certain moments to draw us closer to you, uh, to give us direction for our lives, uh, just to deepen our intimacy with you and, and to know your presence. And God, we just pray, help us to know what to do with this. Help us to know what to do to create moments uh, in our churches uh, where we can show uh, the value to the people, our staff and our volunteers, where we can help change the culture for good, uh, where we can create great weekend experiences that ultimately draw people closer to you. And we make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.